Hello, my friends. Great to be back at our world headquarters. I'm going to talk to you about a new censorship treaty that Trudeau signed at the United Nations, of course. And then we're going to have clips from another gender ideology protest, Parents versus Antifa in the suburbs of Toronto. That's all ahead. I really want you to see the footage from that protest and counter-protest. It did get violent. To see the footage, go to rebelnewsplus.com. Click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. And for that, you get the video version of this podcast, but more than that, you get the satisfaction of knowing that you're helping Rebel News stay strong because, you know, we don't take any money from the government, and it shows. That's rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, Canada is becoming a failed state, so Trudeau goes to his happy place, a new censorship treaty signed with foreign powers. It's September 22nd, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. You know, my phone has been ringing off the hook for about 36 hours, including late at night. I've received seven phone calls from country code 91. That's India. So many Indian journalists want to ask me about Justin Trudeau, want me to go on their TV shows to talk about what Trudeau is doing. I wish I had time to do that, but I've been very busy with rebel stuff here in Canada, as you may know. Now, India is the world's largest democracy, and for the past year, it's been the world's largest country, full stop. China is actually starting to shrink a little bit now. Their one-child policy is biting. India is bigger, richer, and stronger than it ever has been. India is a nuclear power. India is a space power. And by the way, there are two million Indo-Canadians, many of them very successful. Of course, India is very diverse, too. Most are Hindu, but there are also Sikhs and Muslims and even Christian Indians. As my late friend Tarek Fatah used to say, India is like a whole world. And now there is a bitter rivalry between us, not between the people of each country, but between the governments. India is literally putting sanctions on Canada and vice versa. It's astonishing. They're no longer issuing visas to Canadians. I hear talk that India might stop sending students to our universities. I've got to think that hurts them more than us, although it would probably knock billions of dollars out of the budgets of Canadian universities. They charge those foreign students so much. Both Canada and India have expelled each other's spy chiefs working in each other's uh, in their embassies as diplomats. It's really incredible to watch. It stems from the claim that India assassinated someone in Canada that they deem to be a terrorist, a, a Sikh extremist. India is worried about Sikh extremism in Canada, and for some reason, it was from Canada that Sikh terrorists blew up an Air India jet, which until 9-11 was the worst terrorist attack involving aircraft, a total disaster and tragedy. By the way, here's Jagmeet Singh talking about that. Should you not condemn the glorification of Talvinder Parmar when he's the mastermind of the Air India bombing? The inquiry identified specifically Talvinder Singh Parmar. And uh, I accept the findings of the, of the investigation of the inquiry. I accept them and I condemn all those responsible. So you, you accept that Talvinder Parmar was the mastermind of Air India? Yes, I accept the findings of the inquiry and that's one of the findings. 
In case you didn't know it, Jagmeet Singh himself is actually banned from traveling to India. Trudeau competes with Singh for votes, and he'll go as far or further than Jagmeet Singh will. In 2018, when Trudeau went to India on his dress-up party costume tour, he brought as one of his guests from Canada a man named Jaspal Atwal, who was convicted, like not just charged, convicted of terrorism for attempting to assassinate a cabinet minister from India who was traveling in British Columbia. Jasper was convicted of that. He's out now, and Trudeau thought he'd make a great travel buddy to India. Seriously? Trudeau invited him to go to India with him. So, yeah. Uh, anyways, another alleged extremist, alleged terrorist named Hardeep Singh Nijar was killed in British Columbia earlier this year, and Trudeau dropped a bombshell. Well, I suppose I shouldn't use that metaphor in this story, I guess. Um, and said that Nijar was actually assassinated by the Indian government. Mr. Speaker, today I'm rising to inform the House of an extremely serious matter. I just informed the leaders of the opposition directly that I want now to speak with all Canadians. Over the past number of weeks, Canadian security agencies have been actively pursuing credible allegations of a potential link between agents of the government of India and the killing of a Canadian citizen, Hardeep Singh Nijar. Canada is a rule of law country. The protection of our citizens and defence of our sovereignty are fundamental. Our top priorities have therefore been, one, that our law enforcement and security agencies ensure the continued safety of all Canadians, and two, that all steps be taken to hold perpetrators of this murder to account. Canada has declared its deep concerns to the top intelligence and security officials of the Indian government. Last week at the G20, I brought them personally and directly to Prime Minister Modi in no uncertain terms. Any involvement of a foreign government in the killing of a Canadian citizen on Canadian soil is an unacceptable violation of our sovereignty. It is contrary to the fundamental rules by which free, open and democratic societies conduct themselves. As you would expect, we've been working closely and coordinating with our allies on this very serious matter. In the strongest possible terms, I continue to urge the Government of India to cooperate with Canada to get to the bottom of this matter. I also expect it to re reiterate that its position on extrajudicial operations in another country is clearly and unequivocally in line with international law. I know many Canadians particularly members of the Indo-Canadian community, are feeling angry or perhaps frightened right now. Let us not allow this to change us. Let us remain calm and steadfast in our commitment to our democratic principles and our adherence to the rule of law. This is who we are and what we do as Canadians. That's quite something to say. But when he was pressed on it, 
he seemed to wobble a bit, saying it was an allegation or an accusation as if it hadn't actually been proven yet. Over the course of the summer, uh, we have been uh, working closely with our intelligence agencies um, who are uh, moving forward in their analysis. We wanted to make sure uh, that we had uh, solid grounding in uh, understanding what was going on in analysis and indeed in facts. We wanted to make sure we were taking the time uh, to talk with our allies, to share what we knew. We wanted to make sure that we fully shared with the government of India uh, the seriousness and the depths of our uh, preoccupations and indeed conclusions. Uh, but uh, Canadians have a right to know and uh, need to know when things are, are going on like this, and that's uh, why we made the decision uh, to do this. Your statement in the House of Commons the other day, some of the reactions, some of the conversations been about the quality of the evidence, how much Canada has. Uh, you said it was credible. Can I ask you to characterize it just a little bit further um, about how extensive it is, it is, how solid it is, um, and whether you might ever share some of that with the public? So how extensive is this evidence? I think it's extremely important that as a country with a strong and independent justice system, we allow those justice processes to unfold themselves with the utmost integrity. But I can assure you, the decision to uh, share these allegations on the floor of the House of Commons Monday morning was not done lightly. Uh, it was done with, or Monday afternoon, was done with uh, the utmost seriousness. That's quite something to say about a liberal democracy like India to accuse them of an assassination, but then later say, well, maybe alleged. It's pretty different from Trudeau's approach to China, which Trudeau just can't bring himself to condemn despite years of interference and corruption in our country, including possible assassinations here too. That story broke last night. Foreign interference, RCMP investigate death of BC man targeted by China. I wonder if Trudeau will denounce the world's largest dictatorship in the same way he denounced the world's largest democracy. So far, no. I don't know if either or both or neither of these two men were assassinated by foreign spies. It wouldn't surprise me if both were, because the world sees great weakness in Canada now, uh, not just in the country, but in Trudeau as the leader and the symbol of the country. He's a, he's a weak man but he's also a corruptible man. So they know they can either push him around or frankly, bribe him, carrot or stick. China seems to have done both. They've had a series of sketchy donations to Trudeau's family foundation and the Liberal Party itself. Let me put it another way. China, as you know, kidnapped and held hostage two Canadians, Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig, held them for around three years, and Trudeau did nothing, literally nothing. In fact, you might recall the Canadian Armed Forces, this is a scoop I had, if you remember, the Canadian Armed Forces wanted to cut some of their ties with the People's Liberation Army of China. But Trudeau instructed them not to do so, for it could be seen as retaliation. <laughs> yeah, you think? So if you can literally kidnap two Canadian civilians and get no reaction from Canada, why on earth would China and India or, frankly, any other country not come to the conclusion that really, go ahead and do whatever you want in the streets of Canada, even kill people. Trudeau will do nothing at all other than maybe call you a homophobic, Islamophobic transphobe or, or whatever he does when he's really mad. Seriously, other than Ukraine and maybe Cuba, can you name a single country in the world which Canada has better relations with now than when Trudeau took over, a country that respects us more now. And by the way, the world is backing far away from Trudeau over all this. No one is siding with him. They've all decided that Trudeau is a lame duck, 
all hat and no cattle, as they'd say in Alberta, all socks, as they might say in Trudeau land. Trudeau is a nullity, an empty set. People are going to side with the largest counterweight to China. They're going to side with a large and growing economy, a major power. They're going to side with India. And this, this was quite something. Do you remember this headline that Trudeau's plane had a mechanical trouble? So it was stranded in India for an extra day or two after the recent G20 conference. Here's Bill Blair, Trudeau's cabinet minister. Listen carefully to his first word. He's saying that he will not rule out sabotage by India. He's literally saying that he's considering the theory that the government of India tried to kill Trudeau, perhaps in the way the Air India flight was bombed. Sabotage been ruled out in the technical issue in Canada's plane on his trip to India. Uh, there are that that I'm not going to comment on that. There are uh, there are obviously ongoing concerns. I am also focused on replacing those planes because we, we we've already made that step. We've, we've but you're not commenting on if there's any potential sabotage no, that put left the left the plane on that runway. I don't want to. I've got to run, run off to something, but I, I want to. I'm sorry. That's the nuttiest conspiracy I think I've conspiracy theory I think I've ever heard from someone who wasn't in a mental institution. The only political leaders who like to be seen in public with Trudeau these days are failed leaders like those who met with him the other day in Montreal, Tony Blair, the disgraced former British PM, Santa Marin, the disgraced former Finnish PM, Jacinda Ardern, the disgraced former New Zealand PM. Do you, do you see a bit of a pattern here? They'll pose for pictures with Trudeau. You bet they were. Perhaps he'll join them soon as the disgraced former Canadian PM. We can only hope. But let me talk about what I actually wanted to talk about, and mentioning Jacinda Ardern is the right moment for that, because Jacinda Ardern has abandoned small New Zealand to conquer the big world, literally to censor the world. She really is one of the worst. Remember this? Um, I've been watching for some days, and this is not unique to New Zealand, that in the midst of what is a global issue, as you would expect, there are a number of rumours that circulate. Uh, I am present on social media, I see it myself. Uh, I cannot go around and individually dismiss every single rumour I see on social media, as tempted as I might be. So instead I want to send a clear message to the New Zealand public. Um, we will share with you the most up-to-date information daily. You can trust us as a source of that information. Uh, you can also trust the Director General of Health and the Ministry of Health. For that information, do feel free to visit at any time to clarify any rumour you may hear, covid19.govt.nz. Otherwise, dismiss anything else. We will continue to be your single source of truth. We will provide information frequently. We will share everything we can, uh, everything you are, else you see, um, a grain of salt. So I continue to share the message. New Zealanders must prepare. But do not panic. Prepare. And, and when you see those messages, remember that unless you hear it from us, um, it is not the truth. And I really ask people, just visit um, uh, covid19.govt.nz. It has all of the up-to-date information. And we will continue to provide everything you need to know. So she and Trudeau have a lot in common, don't they? And Ardern is on a global campaign for censorship right now. So perhaps it's not a coincidence that Right after the meeting of failed left-wing globalists, the liberals announced a new war on free speech. Look at this story in the National Post. Canada launches UN declaration pledging measures on online disinformation. Hey, does that include the conspiracy theory that India wants to blow up Trudeau's plane? Would that be covered by this new rule? 
Let me read the story. A new United Nations declaration launched Wednesday by Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie says signatories will take steps to address online information. The 27 countries who have signed the document are promising to implement, quote, necessary and appropriate measures, including legislation, to address information integrity and platform governance. They will do so in a matter that, quote, complies with international human rights law, including freedom of opinion and expression, the document says. Hmm. They're also promising to monitor and respond to the rise of generative artificial intelligence, such as ChatGPT, to identify the possible risks, impacts, harms, benefits, and opportunities to the information ecosystem online. Canada and the Netherlands began working on the initiative a year ago and launched the resulting Global Declaration on Information Integrity Online. At the United Nations Wednesday, signatories include Canada, the United States, the United Kingdom, Germany, Australia, Japan, and South Korea, among others. It really is a terrible time for freedom around the world, isn't it? Joe Biden is just, I don't know, is he an Obama puppet? I, I think he is. If not Obama himself, then certainly Obama's staff. I don't think anyone in the world thinks so, that Biden himself is in charge. The United Kingdom is run by a World Economic Forum robot named Rishi Sunak. The Netherlands, who co-authored this thing, is run by an atrocious World Economic Forum grad named Mark Rutte. Seriously, are any world leaders not part of that conspiracy? Not a conspiracy theory, just an actual conspiracy. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I would know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world. Right. Form. Huh. Let me read a little more. In a speech, Jolie said the past year has seen illiberal regimes such as Russia continue to wage information warfare and pollute the information environment. <laughs> now, I'm sure that Russia does wage info wars. They wage real wars, too. So uh, I think every government wages info wars. When you do it, you call it communications. When someone else does it, you call it pollute the information environment. But it's all the same thing, isn't it? It's, it's government propaganda. And it's up to each of us as citizens, as individuals, to decode and decide what we believe or don't believe. Do you believe everything Trudeau says? What Melanie Jolie and Jacinda Ardern and Justin Trudeau want is for you to let them decide for you. Literally in court yesterday, I was there. Justin Trudeau's lawyers said that unregulated speech is a threat to fair elections. They said that in court and terrifying. The judge didn't even bat an eye. Here's more from Jolie. This change is all happening at a speed and scale we've never seen before. We can't afford to wait before acting, Jolie said, according to a copy of her remarks. She called the declaration a concrete step towards establishing global norms on disinformation, misinformation, and information integrity. Can't wait. We can't wait to do what? To, to, to censor? Global norms for misinformation as in we're going to meet with foreign powers and determine what we can say here in Canada, and we're, we're going to take advice from other countries about what censorship is fine here. And we're going to do this at the United Nations, not even in our own parliament. I'll read more. 
The Declaration defines information integrity as a system that ensures people can access accurate information and be exposed to a variety of ideas. Really? Who decides what's accurate or not? A variety of ideas, really? Like on COVID, or vaccines, or global warming, or firearms, or Ukraine, or LGBT issues? A variety of ideas, really? Or more like the whole variety, the whole spectrum of ideas from A to B? This is Orwellian. I'll read some more. It sets up news media as a tool to fight disinformation. The signatories have promised to promote, quote, user access to diverse, to diverse online content, including national and international sources of news and information, and, quote, promote and respect pluralistic media and journalism and protect access to media content as one measure to counter disinformation. Oh, really? This is the government here in Canada that bans journalists from attending press conferences, that requires news to register with the government for a news license called the QCJO, Qualified Canadian Journalism Organization, which strips its enemies of that status, which bans books and finds authors and prosecutes them in court. This is the government that imposes martial law on people for saying honk honk with their horns. These people want pluralistic media and journalism. Why are you lying? Last line in the story. The declaration also says the signatories invite platforms to take measures, including on transparency of algorithms. Got it. So it's all voluntary. Sure. When the government calls up Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, it's all, they're just asking for a favor, no pressure. And hey, they have to be transparent. But Trudeau's Bill C-11 says he will actually have the power to change the algorithms at Google and YouTube and Facebook. I wonder if he'll disclose things transparently. Oh, by the way, Trudeau's coalition partners in Parliament, the NDP, are even more crazy than him. Get a load of this. Recently, I crossed a new Rubicon in 23 years of public service. I had to ask the OPP to come and answer phones at my office because we were being overwhelmed with threats of violence against me, my staff, my family. Welcome to public life in 2023, where death threats and intimidation are becoming part of the playbook of the far right. And it's not just politicians. We're seeing death threats against journalists, school board trustees, medical professionals. What's bubbling up in the conspiracy swamps of 4chan, Reddit, and X are increasingly crossing the line into real life. Call it pitchfork politics. It represents a serious threat, not just to public safety, but the very nature of democracy itself. These extremists make these threats because they can get away with it. It's time to mandate the RCMP to establish a registry of online domestic extremism. They need to have the resources to identify the sources of the threat, to make contact with them, and to keep track of them in a public registry. Democracy is in a very fragile place, and we need to work together to keep people and our system working. So hang on, hang on. In, in real life, if someone's committing a crime, we don't just put them on a list. We arrest them and charge them and have a trial for a crime. You don't make a list and publish a list. What, what he's talking about is, is making a list of conservative politicians and journalists he doesn't like. That's what he's talking about. Political crimes, not real crimes. He's gone full Stasi. He's gone full KGB. Huh. Welcome to 2023, my friends. Up next some incredible video from a protest in Toronto today. On the one side, parents and students against gender ideology in schools. On the other side, Antifa and government unions. That's next.
David Menzies for Rebel News here in Toronto. And folks, I'm at a demonstration staged by Billboard Chris Elson and Josh Alexander. It's all about bringing back education into the schools over indoctrination, especially when it comes to things like the radical transgender agenda. Now, a couple of things that uh, stand out. Uh, as you can see to my right, there is a large law enforcement uh, presence. And the reason for that is that the people here as part of the demonstration, they're not wearing trouble on their shirt. They're not prone to violence. I wish I could say the same about the counter demonstration. We have the Spirit Unicorn community organized once again by public sector unions to uh, do a counter demonstration and hopefully uh, create um, intimidation, fear tactics, and even violence. I did see one scuffle already break out. So we're gonna go into the crowd, we're gonna interview uh, Chris and Josh, and we're gonna attempt to interview the counter uh, protest, but we, uh, we know what we usually get there. It's raise mid middle fingers and F-bombs because for some reason, they just seem to have a hard time articulating what they're counter-protesting about, but we shall try anyways. So this is David Menzies of Rebel News. My and first this is Billboard you. Chris Elston, and we've spoke about via Zoom, Chris. And uh, well, let's get to uh, the crux of the matter. What is the purpose of this demonstration today, Chris? The purpose of everything I do is simply to create awareness about what I consider to be the greatest child abuse scandal in modern medicine history, which is the business of telling children that they were born wrong, that they need to be something they're not, and then giving them puberty blocking drugs, cross-sex hormones, and even surgeries in a fruitless effort to change their sex based on the lie that they'll never find true happiness unless they try to modify their body. What is behind this, uh, Chris? I'm talking about the idea, especially with young people, grabbing them early, indoctrinating them that they're a boy in a girl's body or vice versa, and then going ahead with puberty blockers, very invasive surgery, what is the end goal of the advocates that are pushing this, many of whom are staging a counter-pros behind us? So these aren't the most intelligent people in the world, but essentially this is part of the queer theory umbrella, which is trying to destroy our society. They're teaching children that there's such a thing as being born in the wrong body because we have this innate gender identity which somehow trumps our biological sex. But this is a cult. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is a simple cult that has infiltrated all of society. And of course, there's money in it as well. There's money in it for the surgeons. There's billions of dollars in it for the pharmaceutical companies. And if you go back in time, you've got a few autogynephilic billionaires. These are men who have a fetish. They basically get aroused by the idea of being a woman. You have some billionaires who funded this back in the day. They were initially funding these gender clinics. But this goes back really to the late 50s with a pedophile named John Money who worked at Johns Hopkins University who first coined the term gender identity and he experimented on children, had them doing sexual things to each other and falsified his research. And this concept of a gender identity had been floating around academia for decades in some obscure corner of these universities. And so as long as it was there, that was one thing. But now it's emerged into the mainstream. When gay rights were won, the focus of all these TQ plus organizations, and I don't call them LGBTQ organizations, they're just TQ, the focus changed from gay rights to trans rights because they achieved their objectives, but they're not just gonna shut the doors, they gotta keep donations flowing, they gotta keep everyone employed. So the objectives changed to trans rights, and they've been very successful in conflating these two as the same thing. 
but they've got nothing to do with each other. And, and yet, Chris, do you find it fascinating that within that LGBT uh, community, uh, there are signs that people there are waking up to what the real issue is and the real problem. I speak about groups like Gays Against Groomers, uh, LGB without the T. In other words, maybe that young person who thinks he's a woman trapped inside a, a boy's body, uh, give it another decade and it's, it comes to fruition that he's gay. He's not someone needing transgender surgery. So this is all about, I think, uh, not only canceling women, but canceling gay men and lesbian women. 100%. So before children received puberty blockers, historically, kids with gender dysphoria were mostly boys. This used to be called gender identity disorder. This is essentially self-loathing. But all the historical studies show that the vast majority of these kids, 87.8% of them, according to the biggest study we have, they grew out of their gender dysphoria. 63.6% of these boys grew up to be gay. Makes a bit of sense when you think about it. Really effeminate little boys, some of them grow up to be gay. Now these same kids are being told there's something wrong with them. And they're turning them into lifelong pharmaceutical patients. They're castrating them. Because these boys went on puberty blockers, this gets a bit gruesome, but their genitals don't grow, so they don't have enough tissue to do these surgeries. And they end up cutting out a piece of the kid's colon or his stomach lining, his peritoneum, to form the inner canal of what they call this neo-vagina. This is just the most outrageous, despicable child abuse, maybe in history. If you look back throughout the history of mankind, which I've done, there's not much worse than this. We've done all sorts of crazy things as humans. We think we're this advanced civilization today because of all our technology, but psychologically we're the same as the people who used to live in caves. And Chris, um, to the point of all this invasive surgery, as we say in this business, follow the money, and there are billions to be made, isn't there, when it comes to having uh, people transition. So I guess when it comes to the medical community, they don't look at this as mutilation, they look at this as a profit center. 100%. There are some estimates that over the course of a lifetime, it's about a million dollars per patient. Whatever it is, it's in the hundreds of thousands minimum when you include the surgeries and the hormones that are required for the rest of their life. These girls who go on testosterone, after four or five years, they have to get a hysterectomy because testosterone causes vaginal and uterine atrophy. Sometimes they're cutting out their ovaries as well. So now when they get to the ripe old age of 25 and they say, what the heck did you do to me? I'm sterilized, I can never have a family. Of course, it's harder to get into relationships. They've lost their hair, they've got a deep voice. They have deep regrets because they were really just struggling with self-loathing as a child. Well, now they can't even produce their own estrogen, even if they wanted to. So they're relying on buying some external source of that. This whole thing is a huge moneymaker for the pharmaceutical industry, doctors and surgeons. And there are true believers in this cult but the entire thing needs to be ripped out by its roots because there's no such thing as a gender identity and there's no such thing as a child ever in the history of humankind who has ever been born wrong. And Chris, I want to talk about, we see a counter demonstration, much as we saw these counter demonstrations on Wednesday for the Million March for Children, and they were very much organized by public sector unions. And it seems to me that when it comes to public sector unions, um, teachers unions, uh, the school boards, they are uber left, I would even say Marxist. And could it be that's what is at the root of what we're seeing here in the bigger picture, the unspoken strategy, the idea of 
you know, Marxism 101, tear down society and then rebuild it as a Marxist utopia, which never comes to fruition, of course. Is that what we're seeing here? Absolutely. Most of these people here today will call themselves Marxists or communists. They're frequently holding up signs with Lenin's picture. Uh, these are the far left who have always existed. And people say, what are you talking about Marxism? Marxism was based on financial oppression. So of course Karl Marx, he put people into classes. There were the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. And there were the rich people and the poor people. And he wanted to equalize that. Well, what's this got to do with finances? Well, people are right. It's got nothing to do with finances in that respect. But the same mechanics of oppression, of oppressor versus oppressee, are totally at play. So this is like queer Marxism. It's an evolution of the original Marxism. And yeah, these people want to destroy society. They want to destroy everything that's normal. They want to take parents away from their kids. They treat parents as though they're automatically abusive to their own children. And the whole thing has got to go. No, indeed. I mean, if you had told me 10 years ago, heck, even five years ago, um, I'm going to bet you that there's going to be a Supreme Court justice in the U.S., a female herself, who won't be able to define the term woman. I would have bet the house on that being a fallacy, and yet here we are. Yeah, of course, you're talking about Katanji Brown-Jackson, I think is her name. She was asked during her nomination hearings, what is a woman? And her response was, well, I'm not a biologist. <laughs> I can tell you what a woman is. A woman is an adult human female. And a female is someone who produces eggs. Ultimately, our sex is determined by the gametes we produce. Men produce sperm, women produce eggs. Of course, there's sometimes chromosomal abnormalities. There are birth defects. This doesn't mean you're not male or female. They always try to say that people with these intersex disorders or disorders of sexual development somehow aren't male or female. It's complete false. Chris, the big question is this. What do parents have to do to reclaim the public education system? Because we know the public school boards, heck, even the, some of the Catholic school boards, they're all in on the radical trans agenda. How do we bring it back? How do we get education to trump indoctrination in the schools? So I've got a few responses to this. For the people watching, a lot of people are waiting for some savior in the Prime Minister's office. Or south of the border people were watching. They're waiting for the President to fix all this. That's not how it works. Change happens at a grassroots level. People need to start running for and winning school board seats. Because that's how we affect change in this society, is at the grassroots level. These people in politics right now, they're all corrupted. The Conservatives, not one Conservative MP, will speak out against this child abuse. Yeah, what do you make of that? They were silent on Wednesday. I expect this from the NDP and from the Liberals. But we're supposed to have an opposition party. What is the Conservative Party conserving other than the Liberals' latest crazy policy? They're not speaking out against anything. And if they did, they would find that this was a winning issue. Because guess what? People from the left and right of the political spectrum know that girls are girls and boys are boys and they don't want schools hiding from them that their own girl is now going by he him pronouns in schools and the polls show that the majority of canadians agree with this this is entirely i think a tail wagging the dog issue but last question to you chris i mean you're fearless you're going out with your billboards um you endure verbal abuse you've endured egregious physical abuse you've endured um law enforcement turning a blind eye to physical assault. My question to you is, what motivates you to do this on a constant basis? 
I don't care what these people say about me. I'm a 47-year-old man. I know who I am. The only people whose opinions I care about are my wife and my two girls. Everyone else can think whatever they want. But taking the odd abuse, the odd punch to the head, a broken arm, that's nothing compared to what's happening to these kids. And the more you learn about this, the worse it gets. So before I started this campaign, I said to myself, there is no way I'm going to look back in my life in 40 years and say I knew all about this child abuse and I did nothing about it. So I'm going to keep going until the rest of my life if I have to. But we are going to put an end to this child abuse and we're going to restore normalcy and decency to our society. Chris, thank you for your time and you stay safe. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Folks, I don't think the double standard could be more apparent than what we've seen in the last hour. We had one individual on the demonstration side. Yeah, he was a little lippy to the police, but he was gang tackled, handcuffed, hogtied, put in a, pa uh, a paddy wagon and taken away to jail. And on the meanwhile, if you can see beyond me, Nick Alexander, that's the brother of Josh Alexander, uh, looks like someone threw him a haymaker. I don't know if a weapon was involved or not but he is bleeding from the eye. And not only is there no arrest, um, I don't see anyone administering first aid. I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I did reach out to the police and ask them, has there been an arrest made? I mean, that's the telltale evidence of a physical assault, is it not? And my answer was no comment, yes? Nothing to see here, folks. Move along, move along. Unless you're on the other side, then law enforcement will use all its might. I think that is downright shameful. He's being arrested. He's being arrested. He's being Sir, why are you being arrested? Sir, why are you being arrested? Breach of the peace, supposedly. Why aren't they arresting the person that uh, cut up uh, Nick Alexander? They're on their side. They're on their side. What did they? What did you do exactly to breach the peace? I wouldn't move. Sir, you you are a veteran, right? Veteran. Just doing my job. Peace. Why haven't you arrested the person that bloodied uh, Nick Alexander, officer? What happened to you? I wouldn't move. You wouldn't move. What happened to Nicholas? What happened to Nicholas? They beat him up and they did nothing. They did nothing. Nothing. Arrest! 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 Arrest!
Josh Alexander. Josh, first of all, before we get into the reasons why you're here for this demonstration today, can you bring us up to date what your education status is? Are you still student non grata at your school board? Yeah, so uh, I just got uh, an email not long ago, like about a week ago, that I've been kicked out of school for another year. Um, a year? A year. Um, and the crime was? The crime was the usual, um, quoting Mark 10-6. They also didn't like that I said male breastfeeding was uh, pedophilia. The other issue, more recently, they started scrolling through my Twitter on a meeting with me, and they had, took issue with uh, Jason Aldean's Try That in a Small Town. Um, they took issue, I was in Atlanta, Georgia, hanging out with the Warrior Poet Society, and we did some firearms training, and I posted a video of that. Um, they also took issue with that. Um, so they're essentially spying on you. This is uh, 1984 on steroids, it seems. Exactly. Um, and then I think one of my favorites is they pulled me into a meeting and they asked me, if mask mandates come back, will you comply? <laughs> <laughs> and I told them, I said, as a born-again Christian, I believe in the truth. I cannot lie. Um, and if you're referring to another global lie like we just saw the last couple of years, I said, no, I will not comply with that. Um, and they've, they've said that I, I have a non-compliant attitude and... Uh, that uh, I'm I'm a bully. They've and uh, I've been kicked out for another year. Wow, a non-compliance attitude. That's the new term, I guess, for shutting down freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of assembly. Amazing. But I guess if there's a silver lining, Josh, um, because you can't go back to school, you have a lot of free time on your hands to to pursue your activism. So what brings you out to this demonstration today? Yeah, this is our second education over indoctrination rally with uh, myself and Chris Elston. Um, the first one was in Ottawa, June 9th, and that was that was really momentous uh, then. And, uh, we, we've uh, decided to do a second one here in Toronto. We've got three schools in this neighborhood. A lot of students are starting to come out. Um, at the beginning, it was a little bit rough. We uh, had Antifa charge us. My brother got clubbed in the head with a metal rod and it got snapped in half over his head. Um, and we had uh, our flags stolen. And, and anyways, um, the public orders here, we just saw an arrest happen. Um, after a, uh, a, I believe I wasn't there to see it myself, so uh, take this with a grain of salt, but what I'm gathering is a, an individual was on the line and uh, he was pushed into a police officer and the police officer took him down. Um, so uh, yeah, we, we've seen our first arrest of the day. Um, Antifa's been violent, no arrests on their end as far as I know. 
And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it seems to be a double standard. Earlier, I was speaking with uh, Billboard Chris Elson, and he's being physically assaulted on camera in front of cops, and it's nothing to see here. Disgraceful. But you know, Josh, what do you make of the counter demonstration? We saw this on Wednesday with the Million March for Children demonstration, in which um, public sector unions and school boards and the school and the teachers unions all rattled the war drums to have a counter demonstration and the rhetoric they say about people like you and all these other people attending you're fascists you're nazis uh i would wager that if the police weren't here in such a great number they'd be prone to violence what do you make of the blowback you're getting well i mean i take i take it all as a compliment it means we're doing something right um and and that's that's what we're told in the bible and the world will hate you right and uh uh, I, I'm not ashamed of it. Um, I embrace it. I want to give them the truth, um, and I want to be able to talk to the students. And as we speak, students are coming out from lunch break right now, um, and uh, so we're going to have an opportunity to get, talk to them and give them Bibles and give them the truth. And uh, I mean, they can they can do all they want. I'm happy to speak to any of them. I have no hate in my heart for them, but uh, I, I'm uh, I'm not going to compromise my message. One last question, Josh. We know the vast majority of people are on your side. We see that in the polling. What I'm getting at is when it comes to these leftist unions and school boards, what is the unspoken strategy? Why are they pushing the radical trans agenda? Why do they think it's a good thing to mutilate children uh, before the, they're at the age of majority? What is going on behind the scenes in terms of why they're pursuing this? Well, yeah, I'd say it's because we as a nation have turned our back on God. We've turned our back on basic morality. Um, when you when you take the creator out of the picture, you lose the creator of morality. And that's what we're seeing. Um, so uh, I think that uh, this is much like what we've seen throughout history. Empires fall at the at the site of sexual perversion. It, it happens. It's happened so many times, um, and uh, we're we're seeing it again here in North America. But uh, I, that's why I'm so bold about my message. I want to get it out. We need to save Canada, and the only way to do that is through Christ. Thank you so much for your time, Josh, and you stay safe out there. Okay. God bless you. Thank you. Hello, my friends, here's your mail. Heartfisher5509 says, we are still in court over that evil censorship against your book? Crazy. Yeah, I mean, it has gone very slowly. That was the federal court. I got to say, I think I'm going to lose. And I think I have to appeal to the federal court of appeal. So we'll be still going on. That, that book was published in 2019. We'll be still fighting it in 2024. Dan Warnick, 1283, says, good luck, Ezra. You were most definitely lighting the, fighting the good fight. It is incredible that elected officials forget they were elected and turn on the people rather than serving them. Smack my head. I've worked overseas most of my career. If people only knew how incredibly slippery the slope is to elected officials turning into dictatorial types, acting against the public in every way they can think of. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. I am worried about it. And, you know, we had basically a trial a day this week. Arthur Pavlovsky's sentencing in Lethbridge on Monday. On Tuesday, I had my own case in Calgary where the police wanted to seize our records. Wednesday, I was in Ottawa covering Tamara Leach. Yesterday, Thursday, I was um, here in Toronto 
uh, fighting over the Lebranos book. I also forgot Wednesday uh, was Derek Reimer's case. He protested peacefully against the Drag Queen Story Hour in Calgary. Those are five days, five trials. And Rebel News was either a party or crowdfunding each of them. It is crazy. That is not even the business we're in. We're in the journalism business, but we just had to stop and get involved in those battles. What do you think? One more here by Mystery Cheese about the Million Man March. I find it really alarming to see politicians so aggressively taking sides and making enemies out of huge segments of the population. We have radical activists as leaders in this country. Yeah, it's just crazy. Justin Trudeau and others demonizing 80, 90% of the country as bigots and hateful. Well, listen, I hope that this uh, child gender ideology issue is what they call a ballot question. I hope it's what the campaign's about because, boy, are they going to get a wake-up call from the people. That's our show for today. Until Monday, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.